You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 96. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hello, and thank you for joining us on this episode of The Business Marketing Show. I am your host, Ed K. Smith, with our lovely co-host, Brendan Tully. Hey, Brendan. Hi, Ed. And uh, our guest on the show today, Mr. David Dean Spread, who is the founder of Metitude.com. And we are going to talk about the big picture of attitude, (laughs) hence Metitude. Uh, Welcome, David. How are you? Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Brendan. Yeah, good, mate. Really good. Fantastic to have you on the show. Now, um, a bit of a a bit of a background. David and I have known each other for probably, I'm going to say, around 15 years. I might be wrong with that. It's pretty close. Pretty pretty close to that number. Uh, Again, uh, a contact where we met through, which was then called National Speakers Australia Association, Um, and now it's PSA, Professional Speakers Australia. And uh, we see each other on occasions at different events, but I hadn't seen David for quite a while. And then we bumped into each other at a networking event uh, a couple of months back. So I thought, got to have David on. He's a wealth of knowledge in this subject. And uh, I thought we'll invite him on and uh, let him share his wisdom. So thanks for coming on, mate. My pleasure, Ed. My pleasure. So let's do a little bit of a a background story on on you so people have a bit of an idea on uh on what led you to doing what you're doing now um you've you've done quite a few things you've had a uh you've been in the military uh you've also run other businesses so can you can you give us a bit of a background the last sort of 20 years of what's led you up to this point okay the last well for the last 20 years um i have been running this business Mm mm-hmm uh, as an executive coach and a leadership consultant. But provi- prior to that, I had a career in the military, law enforcement, and another agency, a discrete agency. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I had a foray as my own little entrepreneur act um, during the, the wild 80s. The, wild, the wild 80s. I remember those. Yeah, Brendan was... Uh, I, think, I think Brendan was just a little tadpole swimming around somewhere... Uh, in the eighties, but you know, he's a bit younger than you and I, David. Yeah. But, well, um, he'll catch up one day. He'll, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it hits us all. So yeah. So the eighties, what was happening in the eighties? So in the eighties, um, people were floating companies on the smell of an oily rag, mm. betting, betting on flies going up the wall. And I decided that I would actually uh, learn about that. Yep. And I did, I floated or I tried to float a couple of companies. Um, on the stock exchange and my timing was out. Yeah. I ended up um, going bankrupt for about six and a half million dollars. Okay. That would suck. (laughs) 90. And, um, and that led me to this journey. Um, I realized that I had, I'd learned a lot. Um, The guy that I used to use to do my due diligence um, at the time was um, then the course coordinator for the MBA program. Right. Okay. And he um, said, would you give us a talk on the human face of entrepreneurship? 
Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, do you really want to use me? I've just gone bankrupt. He said, yeah, that's it. That's the story. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I said, okay. I said, so, I said that because I was on the bones of my ass now. And he said, um, I so I asked him, so there's any money in it? And he said, it's a hundred bucks an hour. I said, done. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so we, uh, that lasted, that gig, which is a part-time thing, lasted for 10 years. Right. I spoke at, the, at that program. But it also gave me the insight and the realisation that this is what I really enjoy, helping people using whatever I've, I've learned in the past myself um, to actually bring that to, uh, to the table. And so yeah. nowadays, as an executive coach and uh, leadership consultant, I focus on three areas. One is uh, attitudinal competence, mm-hmm. um, which is the ability to uh, adopt your very best attitude for what is happening, what has happened, what might happen, and not be stuck with habitual attitudes. And, and we can train for that. So yeah. bottom line, we can train for attitude. And uh, is this something that you spend most of your time doing with teams of people or are you it's working? a third of the time. A third of the time and the rest individuals? Time because the, it's the foundation that we all need to, to be the best we can be no matter what our role is. Mm. And that attitudinal competence came from um, work I had to do in COVID operations in law enforcement. Yeah, um, we realised that um, when anything went wrong, and it went wrong often because it's high risk stuff. Yeah, uh, we do an investigation, and we realised uh, that most of the time, the incident was created by the operator's attitude in the moment, and that right. we needed to train for attitude. And so I actually um, designed how to do that, learned how to do it, designed how to do it, wrote the book on it for um, what now special forces use, and and I've done a civilian version of it. Okay. And that's what I teach my clients. So that's a third of what I do. The other bit was um, about lead, effective leadership behaviour. How do we, how do we, because everything depends upon leadership in organisations. Too true. And there's lot, lots of good and bad examples of that currently that we get to terrific, see. Terrific examples on, on, on all counts. Yeah. Positive, negative and neutral. And, and the other thing that I, that I deal with is um, the, the impact of, Crucial, confronting, um, constructive conversations. Yes. I make the point that uh, whatever persistent problem exists in the business is caused by the, the lack of or the inability or the avoidance of having that crucial, confronting, constructive conversation in a timely manner. They cause all the problems. Yeah, too true. And I think often the story that people have going on on their heads is is often worse than the actual conversation that ends up happening. I know. <clears throat> excuse me. I know with me, uh, that's something that that I can do. You can you can have all sorts of stuff going on in your mind about scenario X, uh, but then when you actually go and have that conversation or, or work things out, it's never typically as bad as you think it is. In my experience, anyway. Well, look, you know, that's exactly right. And that's a really important point because if we can't have a constructive conversation in our own head, how are we going to have that conversation with other people? Too true. And most of what goes on in our own head is a stream of statements that we make about what's going on, accusations that we make um, about others, but we keep it silent to ourselves or those accusations are about ourselves assumptions and judgments mm. 
And, and none of those types of conversations take us any further forward. No. No. And so we have those conversations with people. Yeah. And, and nothing happens except more we get stuck in our ways and, and conflict arises. So you spend a lot of time working with CEOs and founders of companies from, from what I understand and say, uh, because it is a top down scenario, isn't it? If the, if the senior management uh, doesn't have this stuff sorted, then how can they expect their staff? It, it really does come down to a cultural, um, a cultural way of looking at how you operate. Would that be a fair assessment? Absolutely. And leadership creates the culture either via what they tolerate, what they model, or what they don't know about. That right. creates the culture. And the yeah. culture is some of all the attitudes of the people in the business. Okay. So, so when you started, so you've been doing this for, for 20 years now. Um, yeah. How have you found the progression moving forward from 20 years ago to now? Do you, have you seen a change in people's no pun intended, but their attitude towards this type of coaching and, and, uh, and work within businesses? Yes, I've seen a positive movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that they, they recognise it. The more they recognise it, though, as, an ins- as a, uh, a requirement, an investment, yeah. rather than just a, a nice to do, the better. And that really came to the fore... And a lot of it's our own fault. You know, we, we who deliver the service, a lot of us are, never realised how we had to position ourselves and to create the idea in the mind of the client and provide the evidence, of course, to back it up, yeah. that this is an investment. And at the, uh, when the GFC hit, uh, that taught me a big lesson because I had six months without any work whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's because I had, whilst I'd been doing very, very well up until then, um, when the tap turned off, I had to look at why. Why did they, why did they do that? Uh, not just because of lack of money, but because they actually didn't put it in the investment portfolio. They had it in the nice-to-do expense. It's like advertising. You know, Absolutely, cutting. yeah. And so I had to real, I realised that I had to actually not only position the service as being an essential investment, but I had to provide the evidence. And that meant I had to provide the return on investment, which I do, and also the cost of doing nothing. Mm. And when, so, we, we, when we look at that, when we see that, um, that the investment they're making in the business is actually going to be largely through the people. Because yeah. They make everything work. They operate the systems. They create the systems. And if you have a bunch of dysfunctional people creating systems, what do you think the systems are going to be like? Yeah, dysfunctional. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely seen that. So, so how does one go about providing that tangible evidence base for, for these types of activities, training, uh, all the stuff you do? Can you give us an example of how that would work? Yeah, um, we can very easily do that. First of all, let's, we need to look at the area of the business that we're wanting to improve. Okay. Um, and we identify what that is. And it could be, I mean, it could be as fundamental as sales. It could also be looking at something more difficult, such as what is the cost of employee turnover? Mm. And how high is your employee turnover? Are you 
constantly getting stuck with losing people that have valuable um, IP in the business or have a lot of business intelligence that they're now leaving, um, taking away. And, and the new person coming in has to start all over again and learn. What's the cost of that? Mm. There, are, there is data on that that shows that it's around about one and a half times on average the person, the position salary. Okay. So that's did, a lot. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, that's a, that's a big, well, a big cost. Well, in BHP, um, they did it. They did a test with the graduates who'd been there for about five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And they found in that case, it was two and a half times salary. Right. So it can actually get worse than one and a half times. So I was working with this particular well-known public company and, um, they had a lot of um, managers in in this particular state. We were, I was working with 17 of them, regional managers. Yeah. And I said, right, I want you to identify your your um, your staff member who's at most at risk of leaving in the near future for uh, performance or dissatisfaction reasons. I'd like you to do that. Yeah. And, in fact, I want you to name the person. And they said, oh, we can't do that. I said, no, no, this is not about hurting them. This is about keeping them. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at an employee at risk of leaving. I said, now, I want you to work out um, what that salary is and, and, and let's total it all up. So I had 17 staff members who are likely to leave in the near future. And the average salary is around 80 grand right. at the time. I said, now, I want you to go away and have the conversation that I've just trained you to have with those people and we're having our meeting in six weeks time and I want you to come back and give me a report of how many people you've, you've turned around and, and now have, are functioning and fully engaged and how many have been terminated or stuck. Right. And they came back at the next meeting and, and two left and 15 have been turned around. Excellent. That's 15 a times 80,000 times one and a half. Yeah. was the, um, the, the saving. And my fee for that exercise was, I think, just around 10 grand. And so the return on investment was in the thousands of a percent. Yeah, good, exa good example. And uh, that is something that is happening at, on a daily occurrence. Uh, highly yeah. prized uh, staff members who have been trained up, they've, so, you know, they've got all that IP and they're, they're leaving for reasons that could be solved. Um, and, and this is where this sort of work comes in. And I think a lot of people do have, uh, unless they have that example, that, uh, that, that proof, then it, it often can be perceived sometimes like the stuff that Brendan and I do as very sort of uh, floaty stuff. You know, there's lots of companies. Intangible. Yeah, intangible. Uh, so you really need to be able to have some sort of evidence base uh, to, to do that. And it, it does need to go in that basket of this is uh, uh, something that you have to invest in for, for your business, like advertising, marketing. Uh, and and we, we see that as well, Brendan and I, where people will all of a sudden they'll stop. Their business starts to suffer. So one of the first things they cut out is their advertising and marketing money, which makes and no training. sense. And training. <laughs> so all of those things are very similar. They, they cut those out thinking that things will get better when they cut them out. So now you've got to double down because you're, if well, you've it's got to be strategic. Yeah. I think you have to be strategic. Strategically so double down. <laughs> really. And, and look, sometimes you do need to advertise um, in a different way, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. 
um, and things are changing rapidly. Technology is changing the opportunities. We've got a massive opportunity. I mean, we can even bring, I mean, I'm, I'm working on a project at the moment where I will be able to bring my service to the individual client um, more, of, more, well, in such a way that I get a bigger return on investment. Okay. And it is easier for them to do. And that's all being enabled by technology. Okay. Can you give us can you give us some more information on what that is or is that in the works? Yeah, blending online work with face to face work. Okay. So using something like Zoom that we're doing now, we're recording this podcast. Zoom Zoom will be a big part of it. Yeah. Zoom will be a big part of it. Um, webinars, um, learning on demand. Mm -hmm. But learning in learning in such a way, and this is the key. The key is is how how do we take human stuff? That is behavioural stuff. This has been the challenge for many people. How do we take? How do we um, help people to gain behavioural stuff online without being there yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting better at that, and we can now do that very effectively. And yeah. that supported by um, face-to-face stuff, which is still online. Mm-hmm. Doing what we're doing right now. I mean, I can see your body language. I can see your facial expressions. I can work out. I can work out that uh, your eyes are glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for those who are listening. I was falling asleep when Dave was talking. Well, now. We, we can do all that. We yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah, which is honest. To be honest, David, that's one of the reasons why we only did audio <laughs> as an audio podcast for so many years because it was easier. Because when you do this sort of stuff, you really have. It's very difficult to uh, sometimes forget that you're on camera. Does that make sense? That's right. Yeah. And yep. you, you, a, you, you forget you are on camera. That's how Big Brother works, the TV series. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. In the beginning, they were, they were very uh, conscious of the camera. Yeah. And, and, then, and then they forget that it's there and they go back to being normal. And, and, and that, I look, do look. that with my clients. But I do that with my clients. So when you're coaching, in, in executive coaching, if the executive coach is not on the job um, watching the client in action, then they how can they coach? True. Yeah. Right. They're not yep. coaching. They're actually doing. They're having a conversation after the event or before the event in a, in the coach's office or somewhere in a coffee shop or somewhere. And all they're doing is getting the, the client's version of what they think was happening when the client cannot observe themselves when they're in action. Mm. So I just bit, you know I'm I'm pretty critical of. Um, of, of the uh, usual coaching that goes on. It's not good enough as far as I'm concerned uh, because they're not on the job. And, and ho- often the answer is, well, what, if we're there, they'll become self-conscious and they'll behave differently. But they don't realise that if you're there and you're just observing, you, you're not in, in the way, they will forget very quickly that you're there and they'll behave naturally. Yeah, yeah, too true. I just thought of something that would probably be, this would, 3D coaching, um, no, I'm serious. You, you imagine the the future because we're talking about what we're doing now in terms of we're just seeing each other on a flat screen. But imagine wearing, you know, AI goggles, uh, and it, it seems like you're in the room with the person you're coaching. <clears throat> I think that'd be quite a great tool for your business. Well, that is uh, that kind of is happening now. I mean, we have body cams, mm-hmm. uh, which you know the military and the law enforcement use, and yes, in coaching. So we stick a cam on 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 a member of the staff yep so watching our client 
and and the, and the staff member um, has to be the right person, someone you trust, someone who's going to be real, and not take advantage of it. And the client, of course, has to have the confidence and the trust, and also the desire to to improve. Yeah, yeah. All, that... of, us, all of us, um, you know, we're all on a learning journey. Yes, aren't we all? Never ends. Um... No, no, never ends. Brendan, you've been, yes. you've been observing and listening with, yeah. with great intent. Yeah, I have because some of this stuff, this leadership stuff I've been digging into in the last six or 12 months because we're trying to grow the team. And it's, you know, we have the, the businesses from a technical perspective and numbers works well and the marketing and sales works well, but the, where it's getting let down is, is my leadership and leading the team. And some of this stuff is, I find it very hard because it is kind of, it doesn't have hard edges around it. A lot of this kind of working with people and leading people stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm just listening intently. So, so do you have any specific questions you would like to ask the maestro while he's here? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because like with with some with a lot of elements of business, you can kind of fail your way through it. Like with sales and marketing, you can kind of trial and error your way to sales that works. You know, marketing campaigns that works. But with the HR stuff it's a little harder to kind of to, to fumble along and um, and leading people as well. Like it's, it's it because the, the numbers aren't hard metrics, like, a, you know, a marketing campaign is, it's super easy to see if it's, you know, successful or if it's not working. But um, I think leading a team is, is a lot, lot more difficult. Did, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, on that, um, David? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, there is a, uh, Teams have life cycles, and the moment you uh, bring a new member into the team or even change the task of the team, um, the entire dynamics of the team can very swiftly change. Yeah. And as a leader, as a team leader, you, we recognise that there's a, there's a process that we go through of forming, storming, norming, and then performing. And each of those phases, and it's, well, it's a well-known model, mm. um, but each of those phases um, are essential. So in the beginning when everyone's new, they're all trying to um, have, have themselves being seen in the best light. It's the honeymoon period. Everyone's getting along well with everyone and they're all eager to please and eager to be seen in the right light. And then as we get more familiar with one another, we start thinking, oh, I don't like that about that bloke. Or I like doing it this way. He wants to do it that way. No, this is the right way. This is my way is the right way. Your way sucks. Or, you know, and, and then we start to get conflict. And then that conflict goes on for a period of time until people decide that they need to really uh, sort it out and work it out. And then they do work it out. And then they start to now uh, normalise. And now they're starting to get to the, to the point where they're, they're recognising how they need to be, roles are being more clearly defined and they move forward uh, to get better at what they do and they get into that next phase of, of performance. And then another dynamic will change, a job will change or a new member comes in and the whole process goes over again, not as slowly. Now the leader's job in each of those phases is to really understand where the team is in that, in that evolution mm -hmm. and have the conversations that resolve them so they can be done, not avoided. They can be held. The storming component, actually, which is the one that everyone avoids, is the most crucial component. Right. It is okay. the hardest component. 
but it's the most crucial component. And, and having those conversations is the key. And, and that's why I've actually created a program that is that has the, our own crucial conversation model. And it really takes the business through every component of, of a business's life cycle and operational cycle. And what are the conversations that the leader needs to have? When, when do they take place? How do they take place? And how do you get those outcomes? Mm. Because most of our leadership is done through the power of conversation, isn't it? In my belief, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, we, we do model as well. We, we are our own exact. We have to be the, the right examples. So mm. people will copy what we do. Uh, but we, we know that begins with a conversation. And, and, and the, the secret is there is power in asking. There is force in telling. Yeah. There is wisdom in listening. Mm. And we've got to apply those, that, that rationale as a leader and do more asking. We'll save time by asking. We won't save time by telling. I, I know that's counterproductive or counterintuitive, sorry, but it's the truth. Uh, Wait, look, I, I, no, I totally, I totally believe in, in asking in terms of everything in marketing relationships uh, asking extracts a whole host of things you just wouldn't get by making stupid assumptions in your yeah. own head. And by asking, we can ask ask people to influence them down the path that we've agreed to go. Mm. And and that the the workplace that works the best is the one where the leaders had the wisdom and devoted the time to make a whole stack of understandable easy to remember agreements about everything. Right. There are no expectations left. They're all agreements. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah. So, so we come to work with a, with our own set of values and our own work habits and our own work ethics. And we get on and do our job in the manner that we, we think is right. Mm-hmm. But we don't have necessarily exactly the same uh, perceptions as others. Mm. Others may see it in a different light and others may have different belief systems and values operating. And then we'll get upset when we see somebody not doing what we do or not thinking the way we think. But we haven't, had, we haven't made an agreement yet about that. Mm. So the, lead, the leader's task really is to, is to um, and we can do this whether we're a brand new leader or, or a leader who says, I need to change things. Things have to change around here. Um, he, he then or she then turns around and says, right, we're going to have a conversation. I need your input. Everyone has to have some ownership of this. Let's have a discussion about what should be our workplace values. What could they be mm. that enable that we could all agree with? Let's get that sorted out. And let's also get sorted out our code of ethics and how we're going to behave, our code of behaviour. Let's get our work standards sorted out. Let's get our accountabilities sorted out and what will be the consequences of, of achieving those accountabilities and what will be the consequences of, of breaching our agreements Yeah, that are reasonable. And let's do that and let's do it all together. Let's work it out so that everyone's on the same page. And they're invested in it. That's, that's and they're the invested point. in it. They own it. Yeah. Now, I've done this many times for clients. So I'll give you an example, a real case study. Mm-hmm. A public listed company that um, owned a, um, 
a slipway up in the northwest. And it was heavily unionized by the very famous Maritime Union of Australia. Right. Who, are, who, who were, maybe probably still are, um, quite a militant organization. And, and the workers at this uh, slipway, there were, um, there were 50 of them, um, all wore the union badge, not the, not the company logo. Right. You know, which really showed where they were at. Yep. And the supervisors called me in because they were having uh, work uh, productivity performance issues as well as safety issues. Mm-hmm. And I, so I went up there and I, I, I had a look at the place. I did a reconnaissance and spoke to people, got a feeling for what was going on. And then I sat with them and I split the workplace into two with the supervisors present in both sessions. And in the morning session, I did a, I facilitated that conversation that I just spoke about. Yeah. Got an agreement from them um, over and above the EBA, the union agreement, about how they perform, how they treat one another, what are the consequences for achieving your work, and what are the consequences for breaching your agreement, all the way uh-huh. through to dismissal. Uh-huh. And I did the same thing with the, the afternoon group, and then I got them both together very briefly um, for half an hour to get a final agreement, which they all signed and they all executed. And I checked back three months later, and the place had actually gone through the roof. It had, there were no safety incidents. Work was going well. The relationships were in a much better state, and the people were starting to use the company logo instead of the union logo. Yeah, it's. I think it's human nature. No one likes being told what to do. Whereas if it's come from from your mind and and your thought processes and things that you think are in line with your values, then it's much easier to get people to to, to work within those parameters. So it yeah, makes perfect- yeah, it's almost as though when we became adults, we also made a decision that I will not be told anymore. Yeah. <laughs> From now on, you have to ask me. Show me some respect. Yep. And and that is pretty much a universal thing for adulthood. And so we need to tap into that. And yeah. we can still get people to do things that we've agreed to simply by asking. Mm. And we can ask for agreement in the very first instance. And we can always influence and persuade and inspire people to go down the, the, the path that's best for everyone. Yeah. You can do that. Too true. So, so where are you finding that you're doing most of your work these days, David? Do um, you... it's, it's pretty much across, across the board. Um, I've just finished doing a, a program for senior public servants, senior leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, a bunch of clients in the SME category which i really love because the they're the owners of the business yeah they've got skin in the game and they're more uh, agile they're more adaptable and they're, they're you know and they know everyone in the business so we can get these conversations going very very quickly and very effectively mm-hmm. and achieving some fantastic results it's very exciting that's awesome so, so, we, so what's your preferred would that be your sweet spot the sme space or are you you're happy to take work from from the the, the variety of places but no, I'm not happy to take work from the variety of places. Um, I, I will no longer work with large organisations if I have to deal with uh, the middle middle leadership. Okay, interesting, yeah. That doesn't work. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It's got to be a top-down approach. Top-down, okay, cool. 
and so I will work with um, peak bodies and senior leaders in okay. large larger areas. But um, my sweet spot, I suppose, is um, is working with uh, business owners with between fifteen and one hundred and fifty or or so staff. Right. Okay. And we can, what and my aim there is to create a um, a, a twenty five percent improvement in ninety days. Okay. In their, in their key performance indicators. Right. So and there's a return on investment. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's good to know because people who are watching slash listening to this would uh, and, and want to get in touch with you. It's good to, for them to know where they fit. Uh, to know, well, yeah, I'm in that. It's that space that David works, and I can. The, the real the real question for them to ask themselves is are they willing to go first are they willing to look in the mirror yeah. are they willing to realize that they are the biggest part of what's working and what's not working in the business and do they want to do something about it it's that mirror scenario every finger you point there's yeah. two pointing back at you it sure is guilty as charged uh, <laughs> So, Brendan, um, what else would you like to check on with, with David while he's here? Because we've been going for just over half an hour, looking at my watch. Yep, just over yeah. half an hour. Well, so, um, well, two things. You mentioned you had a book, is my first question. And then the other one was, do you think that, so, I mean, I guess the world has changed and, you know, remote work and telecommuting is a big thing. And, I mean, work is 24-7 kind of thing. People are accessible all the time. Do you think that's changed how leaders need to operate and, and, and run their teams? Like, what are your thoughts there? Do you have any strategies for, for making that? I mean, people aren't spending, I mean, most, our team's remote mostly. So, you know, we, some of them I've never met in person. So it can be a bit of a struggle to kind of work with them. And, and like these tools are great. Like, you know, I'm seeing you guys, but you just can't be in person. Like there's just something magic that happens when you have a team working together in person. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any strategies for, making that remote situation work better or handling that or leading the team better in that scenario? Yes, yes, certainly. And, and look, remote is, uh, is harder. I mean, we're, we are relationship-oriented creatures. I think that um, video is a great help. Mm-hmm. You can, I'm looking at you now and I can see the extent to which you're paying attention to what I'm saying. It's visible. Yeah. Um, if you were disinterested or you know had something else to do i could pick that up as well and you can also pick up the extent that i'm um, keen about what i'm doing passionate about what i'm doing yeah so those those that's where video comes in email's not so good if you can't lead by email no totally you you can't lead by email and we the is it essential that we um, press the flesh, shake hands and, and be physically uh, with one another. I mean, that is the ideal. Mm. Um, and, and every now and then um, the leader um, would, could choose to, to make sure that that happened. And when that happens, probably um, divided into two, first of all, a social component to break ice and to get familiar and comfortable. And then secondly, uh, anything to do with the work but to have um, regular communication with the person uh, who's working remotely um, can be enhanced by video and and look I, my PA 
the last time I was actually in the physical presence of my PA, who's about 50 kilometers away from me, was um, six years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and um, Alyssa's been one of the best assets I've ever brought into the business. Yeah. Right now, she's uh, doing work for me and she's in Italy. <laughs> you know, yeah, a holiday, great. a working holiday, as she calls it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so the communication is, um, is really crucial how we do that. Now, every now and then, I, I, I do acknowledge her good work. I do that regularly. Um, I'm mindful that people enjoy being appreciated. They enjoy acknowledgement. Mm, for sure. Often when we're remote, we actually just stick to the business. And if we do it by email only, we're in danger of, of um, stretching that relationship way too far. And the strands of relationship are too thin and they break easily. What mm. so we can, in this technological age, we can do it very effectively uh, using video, but a more human way of using using email. And there are ways now of doing email by voice. True. So, yeah. lot, so we, you know, and you know, every now and then text is good, but if we can mix and match, do audio, uh, audio visual, and text we can um, and humanize it. I mean, people are human. We, we've got to actually put that humanity into our work and we've got to do it in a way that's, that is appropriate, not then deemed to be inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Very good so points. We've got to be able to do that and we can do that every, every now and then um, Alyssa will send me some work back and I will just say, thanks. You are hugely appreciated. Yeah. doesn't take much. It's that. Yeah. Uh, people, people, do, people do things and get committed to your 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 business yeah. uh, more than just for the money, and that, it's often those sorts of things that people will get upset and leave a business for, not because of the money. It's not because they want to get paid more. It's because they're not appreciated here all the time. Lois here's all the time. Lois uh, is a career consultant and uh, coach, and she works with people who are in that scenario. Yeah. And if they, it, that could have been avoided, this person would not be looking for an other employment uh, if they had potentially sorted out a lot of these scenarios. So well, very... people, people leave jobs. Uh, that when they leave jobs, they're not leaving the job, they're leaving a the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Boss or management. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and so, so there is, a, there is a, um, a, a fantastic piece of work by by Herzberg, H-E-R-Z-B-E-R-G. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called the Herzberg Dual Theory. And there are a bunch of um, requirements that a company must provide for people just to turn up to work, to get paid. Right. And then there's another bunch of requirements that actually gets them to put in that discretionary effort. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I invite everyone to Google Herzberg, H-E-R-Z-B-E-R-G, and see the conditions that are needed just to get people to turn up to work on a regular basis. And then what else you have to do in order to inspire them to be brilliant. Fantastic. And, and those that that's 50 years old, that theory, and it hasn't changed. Mm. And everyone, when anyone talks about employee engagement, really they're taking bits and pieces of Herzberg and saying, this works, this works, this works. Yeah. Well, we've got to recognize that it, 
there is a difference between leadership and management. Management is about the stuff in the business mm. and the systems and the, and the products and the processes and the equipment. And leadership is all about the people. Yeah. And you can't manage people. You can only lead them or not. Yep. Yep. Uh, and a, a friend of mine who is unfortunately no, no longer with us, um, I remember him, him working at a, a job. He was sort of in between jobs at the time, but he had taken on this management role at a company. And uh, the first day he rocked up to work, he went straight into the, the, the toilets and started scrubbing the toilets. And they're, they're all looking at him and going, well, why are you doing that? He goes, how can I expect you guys to do something that I'm not prepared to do? And they went, oh. And, and from that moment on, he had no issues with his staff. Everyone rallied behind him. But if he's prepared to get in there and scrub, scrub the toilet um and it was just a simple little thing that he he, he knew that intuitively though like it wasn't taught to him very symbolic there. very symbolic yeah and it was uh, it was funny to watch and see what happened after that but um so look david we could spend many hours talking about this, this sort of stuff because it's it's fascinating and it is uh, human behavioral based so and just say even though that book is 50 years old or that study um it, Herzberg. Herzberg. Yeah. It, principles of principles. And we'll put the show note in the show notes. We'll put the, the link to that. I'm sure Brendan will be able to uh, find it. And just, yeah, just took a note. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, look, we really appreciate you coming on the show, mate. It's been, been great to have you. Uh, yeah. And, look, we're a business marketing show, hence the name. Uh, and But all this sort of stuff comes into play. It's not just about marketing. Uh, no point in doing marketing if your business can't support the marketing. And if your team's falling apart around you, your business is not solid, uh, then these are the sorts of things you need to make sure you have a strong focus on. And it's in that basket of have to do, must do, rather than maybe one day I'll do it. And, um, and you're the man for it. So now I forgot to mention earlier that you're in Perth. So you're in Perth like me. Uh, but what's the best way uh, that you like, or how do you prefer to be contacted uh, for people to reach out if they want to get your services? They can, they can uh, ring me direct if they want to on uh, my mobile phone number, which I'll give you now is mm-hmm. 0416 Or they can email me at dds at metitude.com. Cool. Or yeah. they can go to my website and have a good look around there, metitude.com. Um, and, and now is a timely, probably be timely, because on the 24th of October, I'm running a one-day workshop on crucial conversations, how okay. to nail your most difficult conversation. And that's at the Wollaston Conference Centre. And um, there are still vacancies um, to, uh, to the program. And uh, that's where they'll learn that crucial skill of being able to nail problems in the, you know, in the butt rather than let them fester until they become a real crisis. Cool. So that's for people who are based in Perth. Uh, well, they can be anywhere, really. There's, you know, get on is a it, plane come over. That's what well, we yeah, yeah, get on a plane. Yeah, we have to in Perth. <laughs> if we want to go to anything, it's typically getting on a damn plane. Um, but Do you regularly run those workshops, David? Or that, that's a one-off or...? Uh, this is this is a the beginning of a national tour, so if you know, th- so the guys don't have to come across from Sydney. I'll I'll come. The You'll mountain them. Come to Mecca. <laughs> You're such a good man, such a good man. Um, awesome. All right, we'll put all those contact details in the in the show notes. Um, people watching, they can 
they can see Metitude, the, the spelling of it's on your banner behind you. Uh, two T's, Meta, M-E-T-A-T-T-U-D-E. Yeah, and if they go to, um, if they get into the website and they go to events, there's a, a tag on the top, a label at the top. Yeah, I see that, um, events. They'll, cool. go to that. they'll go to the, they'll go to the actual event. Awesome. The next public event that I'm running. Very, very cool. Very, very important topic. Thank you for coming on the show again. And thank My you, pleasure. Brendan, for your input, of course, as always. And thank you, the listener, for tuning into this episode. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now. See you. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.